Freethinkers, welcome back to the Free Thought Project podcast. My name is Jason Bassler, and joining me today is the Free Thought Project editor in chief, Matt Agarist. Well, guys, if you love or appreciate our memes, you will certainly love this episode and our guests this week. How do I know that? Well, over the years, the Free Thought Project has remade countless numbers of his viral memes. The man that I'm talking about is Rick Fry. I'm not exaggerating when I say there's a good chance that most of you have seen his work over the years, whether it was with various news outlets he was making memes for, or his countless accounts that have ended up being banned or deplatformed. Now there's a reason why Rick is known as a meme god. His memes have reached millions over the years, and as Rick explained in the interview, there's a certain power to memes unlike any other form of media. Now I should mention that Rick has become a good friend over the years. So at times, this conversation might sound like three friends talking more than an interview, but it's also a look for our audience inside our world as content creators, digital activists, and truth influencers. Nevertheless, guys, I think you will enjoy our conversation today. So here it is, our conversation with Rick Fry. Mr. Rick Fry, aka Winston Montag. Welcome to the podcast, buddy. I already know this is going to be a fun interview. I've been looking forward to it all week. And what a better day to have this conversation than on October 12th, which is apparently National Free Thought Day. Who would have guessed, right? And uh, ironically, you know, of course, this is just how things work. It's the day after the fifth year anniversary of the great 2018 purge. So I'm sure we're going to talk about that. Uh, I also wanted to get into a few other things today, like Israel-Palestine conflict, which is all over the news. Uh, But first, let's talk about you a little bit, Rick. So you've been around for a long time now. I think it's safe to say that many people likely don't know your name, but they likely have seen your memes over the years. And you've come up with a, a formula to weaponize memes as a way to hack into and infiltrate people's minds, oftentimes alerting them to harsh realities, uh, waking them up to new perspectives and providing counterintuitive information. Now, I know your activism goes way back, but seeing that our audience is probably more familiar with your memes than who you are, maybe the best way to start this is to share who you are, what you've done in your years of activism and how you got started making memes. Yeah, well, thank you. I I really appreciate the opportunity. And, you know, I have so much respect for both of you guys. And I know I'm not as prestigious as Dr. Ron Paul or Dr. Malone, but um, I'm really honored. And thank you for giving me the chance to finally document kind of what I did, because you're right, I I did it all anonymously. So most people, uh, only a handful of people really know what I did. 
you know, um, I guess I started back in, I think the end of 2005, I was playing around with this new thing called YouTube and there were no commercials on it. And I was just looking up all kinds of videos. And one day I, I looked up nine 11 just to see if I could see some new angle or something. And, um, and there were people in the thumbnail protesting. And I was like, what is there to protest about nine 11? Didn't even make any sense to me. I'd never heard anything about it. And, um, you know, I clicked on the video just out of curiosity. And then you'll appreciate this because before it was over, like I stopped halfway through it because I knew like these were, there were all these protests and these were professors and engineers and architects and they're doing PowerPoint presentations and auditoriums with people in it. And I'd never heard a word about it. And I knew just right then I was like, the only reason they would hide this is if there was truth to it. And like, and I had to stop, you know, like, I mean, I went outside and tried to prepare for the rest of it. And anyway, I finished the doc and I was, it changed my life. I knew my life was changed. I knew it right then. And, um, I swore that I would do everything I could to my family's first responders, cops and paramedics, and firefighters. And I just swore I was going to do everything I could to expose who did this. And so that's what I started doing. And, well, what's funny, you'll you'll appreciate this too, is at first I thought, like two things, I thought, one, it was, you know, I'll, I'm going to show this to my friends and they're going to be mad too. And together we're going to fight these people. <laughs> and then the second thing was, these these people are going to be proud of me when I do this. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Not realize that I was in for ridicule like I'd never seen before. But, um, but yeah, so I started, I kind of stopped watching TV for two years and just researched, man. I just dug and... And I started like making my own flyers and I'd, you know, I'd make signs and screw them into trees on the side of the road. And I started burning DVDs and, you know, one thing led to another. And then, um, you know, I ran a bunch of different pages back on MySpace. And then as Facebook became popular, I knew what Facebook was from the beginning because the media was pushing it. But that's where the sheep are. You got to go there. So um, I was uh, one day I posted a really important link about um, Afghanistan. And it was like, it was really well researched and documented. And I wanted people to see it because, you know, I'm, I'm just against all war. And, um, and like, it got no traction, right? And I posted it again in the middle of the day. And then again at like nighttime. And every time I'd put like a longer thing, like, hey guys, you need to share this. this is really great. This is great information. And, and of course it didn't get shared that much. And maybe because it was even shadow banned. I don't know. It was that good. But during that time I saw, um, I saw a link or I saw a meme that I had shared and it, like of course did 10 times what i did with the links all three of them together and i was so frustrated and so i started making memes out of spite actually i downloaded the meme app and <laughs> i had actually made a couple years before on myspace and but i didn't even know what they were but i downloaded the app and like my first memes were like i can't read information or watch a documentary my, my things have to be on pictures and like i was actually making memes making fun of memes but when i downloaded it it, it was like they were talking to me. It was like I, every picture I looked at, like I knew exactly what it was supposed to say. And, and, and it became fun all of a sudden. And I realized like I had all this knowledge about all these different subjects and they were like writing themselves. And I was like, oh, and I, all of a sudden it became fun, you know? And so that's kind of how I got started. And then um, one day I was in a Facebook group and I, and they were talking about, I didn't know what a meme was. I was like, what's a meme? And I was like, <laughs> they were, I was like, oh, I make those things. And, um, and so I posted in this group, I posted a bunch that I had made and I started getting attacked and people were like, oh, you're lying. And I was like, what are you talking about? Why would I lie about making memes? But I didn't know they had been going viral. And so all these people had seen them 
And, I, you know, and it was like one of the, you know, how you're fearing a group and you comment, the post keeps going to the top. And it was like one of those, I say something, they say something four hours later. So it went on for a couple of days. And, um, and finally, I remember at one point he was like, one of the guys was like, we can see the, every meme has a digital fingerprint. I was like, well, look up the fingerprints and then apologize to me, nerd. Cause I made all these stuff, you know? <laughs> and then, and, and at some point this guy contacted me. He's like, you really did make all those, didn't you? I was like, yeah, man, why would I lie about that? And he was like, what if I, what if I paid you some money to do think, do some for my website? And I was like, yeah, sure. You're going to pay me money, internet dude, whatever. But I liked his website and I was like, yeah, I'll help you out, man. And, um, and then like one day, like a couple weeks later, like his page started, you know, his page started exploding immediately. But like a couple weeks later, he sent me a gift card in the, and it was only 50 bucks, but it was like, Oh my God. Like I knew I was right. I knew I had discovered something with these memes, but it was like, even though it was only 50 bucks, it was like, Oh man, I did it. Like I, I knew I was right. You know? So that's kind of my short stories long and quick as it was anyway. <laughs> if only you could monetize memes like you can with articles and videos, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I mean it's even I hard to monetize that. articles these days, but unless you're like a, you know, a mainstream source or something like that, but <clears throat> that's well, the I, meme I game because uh, that's dedicated, hard, hardcore, you know, truth tellers because there's no way to make money off of it. You're the first story I've ever heard. So I'm giving you a gift card for 50 bucks for a meme. Well, I, I made more than that. Multiple websites hired me and just, and all I, all I was doing was putting their watermarks on my memes. I was able to quit my job at, and, and just make memes. I, I think I'm the first professional meme Lord. When I, I even gave my, my meme app a, a review, you know, they'd been asking for years, like you want to rate it. I was like, whatever. But then one day I was like, I should rate it. Like this app changed my life, you know? And I was like, you know, I ended up reaching millions of people and I got paid to make memes and they wrote back and they were like, you got paid to make memes. And I was like, yeah, I know. But it is because if you put your logo on my work, your logo has a chance to live for years on multiple platforms. Like that's a commercial that's, it is worth money, you know? Oh, for sure. In that regard. Yeah. But as far as like meme activism, you know, Oh, of course, <laughs> of course. Yeah. I didn't do it for, for money. You know, it was just something that happened because I, I became good at it, but no, it was just, I, I knew like people won't, they won't watch documentaries. They won't read articles. I, I've burned DVDs and put it in their hand and they won't watch yeah. it, but you can plant a seed with a meme. You can make them read your words, your thought. And, and if, if you put the right little clever combination, you just plant the seed in their brain. And it, and it works like it's the only thing that really works. And that makes memetics one of the most powerful tools in the history of activism. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I, I'm right there with you, Rick. When I first got into all this, I thought I was unlocking this like universe's greatest secrets and, and doing some research about like natural law and, and stuff like that. And I, I felt like I was transforming as a person about my own intellectual understandings about the world. And I was so excited to share it with friends and family. And yeah, I got the same response. It was like either they were uninterested, uh, they, were, they were too busy or distracted, or they just didn't want to be challenged. You know, they didn't want their, their own beliefs to be challenged. So I could certainly relate when it comes to that. And, you know, that's, that's a bit of a tough pill to swallow too, you know, because, uh, I know many of us that do this type of work, we really believe in what we do. We believe in the, the ideas and the concepts that we share, some of the counterintuitive uh, information that's been hidden from us. And the fact that even our friends and family don't have any interest in, in really picking up on it or, or listening or uh, you know, investing at all into it. it, it's been very disheartening over the years. But I think because 
there are so many of us that have experienced that. There's a whole community of kind of like outliers online, like people like us, you know, who ended up linking up and meeting up with each other and become become friends. And so now there's this whole community. And so we don't feel as alone, thankfully. But while we're still on this topic here, why don't you tell people about uh, the different projects you've been associated with? I think at one point, like I connected you with Luke and We Are Change. And I think you were also working with MinPress News at one point. And then also, what are the names of all the different meme accounts that you've had over the years so people know it's you? Yes, uh, I did work for them and, and I worked for anti-media. My work's been on, you know, when during the purge, like a bunch of those um, pages that were in the Ben Swan report, which has also been purged about the purge. Um, a lot of those pages had shared my work. You know, it's been on, I can't even count how many pages. Um, mostly I've, I did thousands of memes with no watermark. And then, you know, I ran different pages over the years. I was trolly trollerton on Twitter where I was just troll. I would get banned like within 24 hours every time I got on there, but it was just fun for me to take screenshots. And um, I, I worked for multiple organizations. I'm not entirely proud to have worked for all of those organizations, especially when they took turns. And when they took turns that I didn't agree with, um, I walked away and went back to construction in the sun in Florida before I would sell out my integrity. Um, and I, you know, it's funny, you had a, a guest on and I'll, I, I'm not going to put everybody on blast, but you had a guest on um, who was talking about Cassandra Fairbanks, who I know you know well, and that was a big reason I left one website is because I proved that she was posting propaganda and they didn't care. And I was like, well, you're not going to use my work to build your page and post crap. Like, I'm not going to be part of that, you know? So sure. for the most part, it was like Winston Montag, you know, and then a lot of it was just me. Like, I, I remember I realized at one point, like, I can make my name famous if I want. And I've, you know, and I've said before, like my friends that make fun of me, you know, if I had put my name on every meme that I made, you'd tell your friends and other people you meet that you know me, but you don't realize that because you don't realize what I did. But I don't know, man, it just... You can probably find some of my stuff like I have. I did create a new Instagram, Twitter and Facebook profile called Prophetic Memetics. Yes. Um, and I'm known through as Winston Montag on many other sites. But, you know, it, it was never really about me. Even Winston, Winston Montag is just Winston Smith from 1984 and Guy Montag from Fahrenheit 451. It was just an amalgam of this person who wakes up. You know, it was it was always supposed to be that because I, you know, I'm really against the Kardashian activism and trying to use the movement to make yourself famous and all that kind of, like, I don't like that. I respect activists who put the work in and do the work in the streets and do the, you know, I have no problem with that, but there's some people in this movement that they just want to get clicks and likes and they'll, you know, if, if they're on the Trump bandwagon, now we're on the Trump bandwagon. If now we're going to be Bernie, we're going to be on Bernie. And it's like, oh no, I'm, I'm against all that right, left stuff. And I'm not going to support that. And I don't believe that's a solution. So, you know, most of my work has really just been a lot of it anonymously. So. I feel you on that one, man. Thus the Matt Agorist, uh, you know, pseudonym that I've used this entire time. Um, I think that kind of shot Jason and I in the foot because for so long we weren't about ourselves. We were about promoting the cause and promoting Free Thought Project. And, uh, you know, we were kind of the guys behind the scenes the whole time. And when we were rising, you know, up through the ranks and stuff and of like popularity and whatnot. And then everybody started going that way like this whole scene this whole libertarian scene the the new scene it started going towards individuals and 
just like you said, we watch people sell out left and right, especially Cassandra. And um, oh, yeah. I, we saw yesterday, Jason shared this tweet from Luke Radowski. Um, I mean, if we want to edit this down. No, no, no. We can, let's talk but, about it. Yeah. Let's <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, so Luke Rudkowski, he, he, he shared this, uh, like he tagged like five or six people in a uh, tweet saying um, something about, you know, shout out to the real ones who don't flip flop on their principles. Right. And he, <laughs> he, he tagged Cassandra Fairbanks in there, dude. And I'm like, wow. Oh my God, dude. Like, wow. <laughs> So Jason and I were talking about responding, but, you know, and, and leaving, I had wrote, written out an entire tweet. Like, so Cassandra started out as an anarcho-communist, you know, then she grifted our, our libertarian anarcho-capitalist movement for a couple of years. She briefly fled to the Bernie Sanders camp yep. before yep. like, you know, joining up with MAGA. And, and, and right. this is, this is considered, you know, yeah. sticking to your principles. Yeah, and then at one point she's at the White House, and they're they're accusing her of doing white power signs and whatever. And I'm like, see, I told yeah. you this girl is not. <laughs> yeah, but well, anything to you know grift and and be you know on people's radar. It's that clout factor, Absolutely. you know. And unfortunately, right. as much as I love Luke at, at one point, and he was a huge inspiration for me. You know, like he his videos me as well. When he he first started, you know, when he was doing the guerrilla journalism, confronting politicians, yeah. that shit got me fired up, man. Like that was the Luke that I loved, and uh, un- unfortunately, I guess he he re- he recognized either it was too much work, it was it was too much, uh, you know, ch- it was too challenging to try to always be on the ball, following these politicians and being able to corner them, or he realized that he could have a bigger reach if he just became more of like an alt media pundit where he just talked about a lot of these topics rather than going out into the field. And, you know, who am I to say, I, you know, I'm not, unfortunately, especially now in my current situation with two young children, I'm even more so kind of stuck behind the computer. But uh, I, I think it's safe to say that many people have seen the evolution of uh, Luke's work and aren't maybe necessarily a fan. I would say his, his fans now are probably more of like the right base uh, the people that he caters content to and, and cherry picks information for. And, you know, we saw a lot of people do that uh, during the 2016, uh, 2015, 2016 uh, Trump election. And that became a pretty popular place to, I guess, migrate to, like uh, ideologically migrate to for a lot of libertarians. And if I had to speculate, I, I believe it's mostly because there's just a much bigger financial base there uh, with the right wing. Right. Or, or, um, he didn't live the most pure life in the world and got compromised at some point in time. And his organization has a certain level of, um, people in there that are not really on the right side at all. And that's on purpose. And sometimes people put themselves in positions where they have no choice, but to say things like I was inspired by Luke for sure. The same way I was at ground zero in 2006 protesting with, we are change. It was the first time. That was one of the most powerful experiences of my life. Like I flew there from Florida and they, some of them thought I was a fed because they were like, who's this dude? You know? And I was like, they're like, why are you in New York? I'm like, to be here with you. And they're like, yeah, but why are you in New York? I'm like, I flew here to be with you. And they're like, no way. And some of them were like, really do they were, you could tell they were inspired by me being there. But like, I, I mean, there was this moment where, you know, all these guys were talking to the crowd and I'm from Florida, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to talk. And then these two, these two military guys walked by and I could tell they were military just from the walk and stuff. Cause I'm from a military town. And, um, and I've been 
up till then i'm talking about 9 11 was an inside job in florida during the bush administration like i am not popular right but i've got i am hardened by debate with people groups full of people that don't like me so they walked by and they said something about go to iraq or whatever like why don't you go to iraq or something and i just like all of a sudden i just lost it i was like you go to iraq you signed up for it i don't kill people over lies and i just started going off and like i'm having this out-of-body experience where my mouth is talking about world trade center seven and all this stuff but my brain is like oh my god dude you're talking to everybody at ground zero about 9-11 and i'm like having this like spiritual experience and my brain is like splitting half and my mouth is perfectly doing what it's supposed to be doing but my brain is like oh my god and the more i was talking the more people were stopping and like and starting to listen and it was like whoa this is getting weird like like you know what i mean i'm having this like double thing going on but like when it was over like i I'm, i mean i cried dude because it was like i was on the sacred ground speaking the truth for them and like it it just changed my life because that was when the moment where i knew like i am definitely supposed to be doing this like because those guys had talked to crowds the whole time and maybe it was because i had flown there and i was so passionate about it or whatever it was but like more people stopped when i was talking like it was just growing and growing and it was like freaking me out how big the crowd was getting and i i got scared to stop talking but like it was you know and that was inspired by that those guys and on the ground saying interviewing these people and doing that and then you know when it when he came to me to try to clean up his image and i tried and then i'm getting undermined by people who are taking my ron paul posts and turning them into trump posts and that's why like I watch like the don't tase me bro video just for fun. Just if I need a few laughs and I'm, I'm feeling bad or whatever. I, I love seeing that dude get tased. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a little inside baseball there for you guys. I don't know if everybody's going to quite put those uh, puzzle pieces together, Rick, but certainly uh, a good hint for those who are paying attention. Uh, let, let's get back to memes here though, a little bit. And um, you know, I was just talking to Derek bros just a couple of days ago about this. You know, just like anything else over the course of time, everything changes, right? And, and that includes memes as well. And that includes, you know, how they're made, uh, the fonts that are popular in that moment in time, uh, the images you use, the templates, of course, and obviously the aesthetics. And as somebody who's been making memes for, you know, I guess 10 plus years now, I've seen firsthand the shift in, I guess, what are considered popular memes. Um, before, you know, we used to get away with longer text, maybe simpler images. And of course, I know you know about this one, Rick, the impact font was all the rage. Uh, but now things have gone really lo-fi, like very low quality. Sometimes the lower the quality, the more shares they get, which is really strange. And they're even more so now about the, the cleverness factor and the, the snark factor. Um, so two questions. Do you think, you know, in your estimation, is it safe to say that there's just way more meme makers now than ever? And have memes actually become dumbed down to a certain point where they're possibly less impactful, uh, maybe significant as they once were? Well, I, I think there's always been a real loose um, style to memes. Like if you put a bunch of punctuation in your memes, it kind of goes against the flow of it, which is, it messes me up as somebody who tries to do the punctuation correctly, but that's just the style of it. Um, I don't pay as much attention to fonts. I, I, the meme is, I, I guess we should point out like a meme is actually this, that word was, um, from Richard Dawkins, 1976 book, um, uh, the selfish gene. And it was actually about an idea that's easily replicated. Right. So it's, and at first I didn't think they were memes, but like when you would take one of my memes and make a copy of it, that actually is the very definition of a meme. That's why I have 
one that you made framed. And even though people thought that was stupid, like I knew my memes will get erased one day, but this is a, a copy of, of what actually happened. You know what I mean? Just one little thing that I could put behind glass and keep in real form, you know? Um, but it's really what you're saying, man. If you're saying the right thing at the right time, like there's kind of a formula to it. Like you can, you know, you can take the latest pop culture thing, like, you know, whatever game of Thrones or whatever it is. And then, you know, Trump getting arrested or whatever, and then make people think that you're about to talk about those two things, but then turn it into Monsanto or something, you know, just kind of, you kind of catch them off guard with it and, and make them think you're going one way and then go the other way. There's, there's definitely a formula to it, but you know, if it doesn't really matter if there's more people making memes, because what I've learned is you either kind of have this or you don't like, it's just like any other art. Like I kind of just thought like everybody and, and for sure, everybody should, it's so easy to download a meme app and give it a shot. And I, I, I encourage you to do it. Maybe it's a hidden talent that you have, but there's a cadence to things. There's a rhythm. There's a, you know, it's, it's good to have humor and it's good to kind of get, you know, there's a, there's like a little formula to it. And I think, you know, as far as, I mean, we're all being dumbed down all the time. So, of course, you know, <laughs> they're dumbing down memes as well. But there is something about the simplicity of an idea. And, you know, I personally have, you know, I've made some really long memes that were uh, even translated into other languages. But and I only knew it because I recognized the form and somebody sent it to me. And I was like, is that like Swedish or something? Like, yeah, I was like, that's amazing. But mostly those don't do as well as just. Da, 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 da. just pop 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 little quick jokes little quick one-liners like that's what a meme really is and that's what sinks in so if you you got the goods you know people will find it yeah there, there's certainly an art and a, a dance uh to making memes if you will and I, I think you encapsulated it perfectly it's not necessarily about the image you use or yeah the formula although the formula is part of it and it certainly helps if you kind of understand the formulas that work for your audience but i think you you hit the nail on the head it's about speaking the right saying the right words at the right time that speaks for large volumes of people like basically what they had in their mind but they couldn't articulate it themselves and I think right. once you hit that sweet spot, that's when things go mega viral. But um, love to hear that you uh, you have our, our one of our memes frame, man. I, I don't I don't even think I knew that. It's the one that you did of my version of how to create a terrorist ah. step one um, drone bomb the innocent child of a man who never did anything to you. And then I put like the logos of different websites that had posted my work on it just to have one thing that I could save and. You know. Sure. Oh, yeah. No, that's a very powerful. Um, well, it was a very powerful meme in the first place. And then I found some imagery that I thought worked perfectly for it. But it was great. Yeah. You've always made my stuff look much better. Like <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm churning out 25 memes and while I'm drinking my coffee and you take you take the prime ones and then make them beautiful. Well, I try, man. And thank you. Thank you for saying that. And actually, that's something I haven't recorded the intro yet. But uh, that was something I was going to mention in the intro is that, you know, it, You've inspired me. Uh, you've, in, you've inspired many people to uh, remake your your concepts and your memes. So, um, you know, if you care, if you like, if you support our memes, then there's a good chance that you, by default, care, support, and uh, like Rick Fry's memes as well, or Winston Montag, or you know, I guess whatever uh, watermark they're using at the time. But um, yeah, that that very much aligns, man. And um, yeah, I feel honored that we're in this fight together. Because uh, you're you're brilliant, as well. yeah, brother. Thank you, man. You're a brilliant mind, and uh, I feel like I've always been more of like an art artist, creative type. So yeah, if there is a concept, uh, sometimes it just needs that little extra boost of some type of imagery that really c 
captures people or uh, captivates them or gets them interested in the topic, you know, and as you mentioned, these are just seeds. We're just planting seeds and hope that uh, people will be interested enough to grow their own tree of knowledge out of that seed. And uh, if not, well, then they'll just be haunted by that, you know, that meme or that idea that we place into the back of their mind for the rest of their life. But we're hoping, we're praying that people have enough integrity to actually follow through and uh, scratch that itch, you know, do that research, right. figure out what it is exactly that's, you know, challenging your own beliefs and your own ideo ideology. Uh, now, on that same topic, um, you know, I was just asking you if more people are making memes now. Um, would you say that now with Elon, you know, and the whole Twitter uh, shift and the Twitter files and everything that's come out as far as their their policy moderation, um, do you feel like censorship has gotten better or worse since Elon bought Twitter? And I mean that across the <laughs> spectrum of social media platforms, too, because they're obviously all um, connected in a certain way as far as like the intelligence agencies, but then also by the influence that they have. You know, if Twitter is not censoring as much, that might mean that Facebook would be uh, looked at and perceived as being this evil, evil overlord that's maybe censoring too much if they didn't kind of back off a little bit. So do you feel like this has maybe had an effect on the whole uh, social media uh, ecosystem? Well, I mean, Facebook has always been the evil overlord because they're a DARPA program called LifeLog. Um, I certainly don't trust Elon Musk, the transhumanist shill who's surrounding the earth with spy satellites while he wants to put a chip in your brain. So I don't trust any of that stuff at all. I'm just pretty much count me against all that stuff. Um, yeah, obviously censorship's getting worse. It's, you know, they, they're, you know how they do it, man. They're always like, I mean, they had all these years of MK ultra and COINTELPRO and it's not, and everybody kind of acts like, yeah, they did that in the sixties, but that was, it. it's like, no, nah, man, they gained God knows how much knowledge from all that. And they learned how to, how to manipulate us like not just within obviously we know like the tv people are manipulated and the normies but but they work even harder within our movement to get us distracted like you were talking about where everybody jumped on the trump bandwagon mm -hmm. and if and you might not remember but from the beginning i said stop saying fake news because we're going to be the ones they take out and i was right like they weren't going to take out cnn they took us out and then what they do like later it turns into all the people chanting fake news are the first ones getting booted off social media for saying fake news so like they're smart man we're we're playing chess against people with decades of research. And so they know how to, like, I've always said, like, when you, you know, this, cause, cause you work with the police, it wasn't defund the police. It was demilitarize the police. But if you're saying, Hey, don't give cops bayonets and, you know, grenade launchers, that's a reasonable thing. If you start telling a normie, like, Hey, we're not going to have any cops. Of course they're going to be against that. If you say like, Hey, we should end police brutality because you know, this is people are getting hurt that we should, you know, have more training and more, more over overreach and over, you know, somebody checking out and then it turns into black lives matter. Well, now it's a racial movement, you know, in the federal reserve becomes occupy wall street. And then all of a sudden it's just bongos and, and people talking about this mythical 1% when it's really like a committee of 300 type of thing. Like they, they're so good at, at manipulating us on every level and they, they attack us on every level that it's, it's this hard path to try to, to try to walk the right, right path the whole time and try to stay doing the right thing and and without this outside interference that's always coming in to to stop you from the mission and the mission is essentially wake everybody up to what's going on as quick as you can and that's it and so they're going to do everything they can to stop us from waking everybody up as quick as we can so if we find something that works really well they're going to try to stop it so like you were talking about with different memes like i started making what i called sublima memes 
where I was taking a pretty picture and I would hide with, with color variations like trigger word and like, you know, research vaccines or whatever. But because the algorithm is based on reading the text, they can't read the text if you have a light purple and a dark purple. So I figured out ways to get around that. Like there's whatever they do to try to stop us, we're going to, you know, try to try to change that. But then like you remember after the purge, like, you know, we were deplatformed. So for a while I was just like, whatever, what am I going to do now? And I remember one time something happened and I went to look it up on like YouTube or Google. And I noticed that they had completely changed the search results on YouTube mm-hmm. and Google as well. Like it wasn't just that we got purged. Like after that, if you looked up false flag, all of a sudden it was 25 links about why anyone who thinks something's a false flag is a tinfoil nut job. And you know what I mean? And before it would be like, you'd look that up and you'd find it. You know, like I have a hat that says that I made back in the day that says Google World Trade Center 7. Well, when I made that hat, it would pull up 100 links about the problems with the collapse of World Trade Center 7. But now it's like it's just going to be 100 links about why you're an idiot if you ask any questions about that building. It's so true, dude. (laughs) It's no longer just like the censorship industrial complex, right? It just hides relevant information that could, you know, that it can expose the man behind the curtain. But it's like it's information manipulation and which is essentially societal engineering where people are shown certain bits of information that kind of can steer them in a certain mindset. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I see like memes, you know, with like profound things like uh, tower seven and stuff going viral. And, but I don't think it's going viral to anybody new who, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not, it's not, someone's not seeing that. But, who but you're wrong. You're wrong. That tower seven, you're, what's that? You're wrong. And this is something I want to talk about because that's something that we all feel in the movement, right? Cause we've been doing this for so long and we only see so much change, but I've been doing this like 18 years now and people like I went into church. We were trying to find some church just to take our kids to. I don't agree with every single thing, but I do believe in God. And I I wanted my kids to have some godly kind of influence in a world full of like this demonic powers and stuff. And people in church are now talking about what I'm talking about. Back during the Bush administration, I went to my pastor of my church and tried to talk about implantable microchips. And I had seen Andy Rooney on 60 Minutes talking about it. And when I went in there, they like pawned me off on some assistant pastor. And he looked at me like I was talking about Bigfoot. And I'm like, no, there's this verse in the Bible about you'll have this mark in your right hand and you won't be able to buy or sell without it. And they're putting these chips in people's hands right now. It was on 60 Minutes, you know. And, and they just looked at me like I was idiotic. But now when I, we were diff, going to different church, they're all talking about the stuff I was talking about. There's a bunch of people you can't reach. That's true. But there's new people coming up all the time. There's young people who are becoming 20s, 30s, 40s. They've seen things now that they didn't see before. Now the stuff we say resonates more. So don't ever lose faith that we aren't waking people up every single day. That, that what we do isn't important because it is. every you, Because I don't plant seeds for followers. I plant seeds for leaders. It, it's amazing when you wake somebody up. But when you wake somebody up and they really care and they start fighting, man, that's a victory right there. Oh, I hear you, man. And and I'm not – I wasn't saying it in like a pessimistic way. And, yes, I got you. No offense, waking people up is certainly, a, is, is certainly happening. You know, we have people contact us all the time that tell us that they were, you know, stuck in status – paradigms and and then you know just a meme there or an article that they read helped put them yeah. down the right path exactly. but i mean th- there certainly is you know some factors at play with the with these you know big tech companies and that's they they are definitely manipulating people through search search results like you said through absolutely through inform- you know what they're seeing in their algorithms and everything else like that it's very difficult to break out of this you know, our own echo chambers and into other ones. And 
there's yeah. like the, the, the there's like the three year uh like rule if you will you know where we're saying we're talking about conspiracies and three years later then everybody else is as well and i think that's what you were mentioning there you know like yeah people are talking about brain chips because fucking elon musk told millions of people that he's developing brain chips now right so but you talked about that five years ago or well maybe not five years ago but you know 10 years ago and yeah it was nuts even though it was just like you said andy rooney talking about it on 60 minutes and people were willing to line up to go get it you know and so it's like that it, it's that whole conspiracy theory being conspiracy theory phase and then once it's 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 socially acceptable to talk about it then people more people find out about it well, this this was about this was eighteen years ago, and it was about the Vera chip, which is the chip that will have all your medical data, all your money on it, your CBDCs, which Jason just wrote a book about. Like that, that was about that chip, not Elon Musk's brain chip. It was about the this record of being able to record us at all times. Yeah, but it was going to be on an ID, not in your body, and now yeah. now they're going to be in your body. <laughs> well, they were they were getting it in their body then. That's what I mean. Like I would, this was during the Bush administration. I had seen the videos of, it, and I'd seen Andy Rooney. He was like. I wish I had some chip in my body so because I lose my keys or whatever. It was some kind of <laughs> said something like that. I swear to God. And I was like, they're already putting this in their body. They're already putting it in their right hand. Like, even if you really were trying to do that in a good way, why would you do it exactly like it says in the Mark of the Beast? You know what I mean? Can, can you imagine, too, like how outdated that tech is now? It'd be like implanting a Windows 95 computer into your, your palm or something. <laughs> you know, like, God damn it. Why didn't I wait? The tech is different, but it's really the same design. It's still really about the same as the size of a grain of rice. They were still they were putting it in their in their um, hands during COVID. Right. They were they were showing people oh, yeah. doing it. Now we've covered that, uh, you know, handful yeah. of times. Yeah, I know. You know. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, man, you know, all this is it's so important, you know. And I just made a tweet maybe about a week ago talking about all the different things that conspiracy theorists had predicted over the past ten years, and like they've all come true. I mean, facial recognition, you know, we have those in our airports now, whether you, you know, if you know it or not, whether you consent to it or not, uh, drones in our skies, you know, uh, New York city over the 4th of July was, uh, flying drones over, uh, populated areas of the city, you know, I mean, uh, rampant censorship. We don't even need to get into that one. Digital identifications, digital currencies, geoengineering, uh, which was, you know, it's a fancy word for chemtrails, basically. And now that they admit those, uh, that's been you know research going on with those smart cities, and of course the state media collusion, which we've all known has been going on. But of course the the Twitter files and the Facebook files have actually solidified it now and, and confirmed all of our suspicions. Um, but yeah, th this goes deep. You know, this goes super deep as far as just like the tech, the social media companies uh, manipulating information, and I, I think it's so widespread and so pervasive that a lot of people just don't understand how how much they've done to really control uh the, the narratives control public opinion uh it goes much deeper than i think most people understand and i'm glad that you also mentioned the fake news narrative of 2016 rick because i've been saying for years now in interviews anytime this this topic comes up that that absolutely was the catalyst, man. That was exactly the 5D chess that Trump was supposed to be playing. Instead, he was playing it on us by bringing up the whole fake news narrative and popularizing that slogan and that saying, and then it all got turned on us, you know? And and, and just to uh, highlight that fact, just this morning, uh, CNN, uh, I just saw an article from CNN that says, mounting concerns 
over misinformation about the Israel-Hamas war on social media. And how fucking ironic is that after these people were just repeating the 40 babies were decapitated by Hamas, uh, you know, narrative that was going around briefly for uh, Jesus. It only lasted about a day yesterday before we started to shut it down. All the different alt media and indie journalists started shutting it down. And now they're all backpedaling. Even Biden repeated the damn propaganda and he had to, the White House had to backpedal on that. So the fact that they, you know, that they've they spun it all around saying that we were the one promoting fake news, that we were the one that engaged in. Uh, coordinated, inauthentic behavior. That's that's what they were doing. I mean, it's just it blows my mind that it hasn't. It's still like people still don't realize how big of an event that the purge of 2018 was, and it really was the, the start of the cens- censorship industrial complex. And of course, you know, I, I told Matt yesterday, I was like, ah, I don't think I'm going to make a post about it. I don't think anybody cares. And then. Uh, finally, and by the afternoon, I was like, fuck it. Like, this is the last time it's year five. It's the, the five year anniversary. Like, I'm just going to make one last post about it. I'm not going to say anything about it ever again. And sure enough, you know, I posted on Instagram, posted on Facebook, you know, barely any likes, barely any comments. And it just seems like, well, people just either they don't know, they don't care, or there's become this kind of complacency with the idea of censorship. So that was something I was going to ask you as somebody who has gone to the extent of actually putting up wooden signs around his neighborhood, around his community with memes, with, you know, these important ideas on them because you've, you know, dealt with so much censorship over the years. Do you feel like people have gotten more complacent with censorship? Like they just don't care anymore. Like they've just accepted it. And it's just part of the reality we live in now. Well, yeah, because you know how they work. They take two steps forward, and and when you start bitching, they'll take one step back, but they never take two steps back. Um, yeah, man, they they're working as hard as they can against us, and you know that, you know, when it was eight hundred pages that were taken down, but some of those pages, which was smart, because they mixed us in with some pages that were like click here for a five dollar Xbox and stuff to kind of make us look like we were scams yeah. too. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, when you when you think about it, like how many billions of people are online. And, you know, other than the first, the dry run of the COINTELPRO crap with Alex Jones getting banned from Twitter. And, and so people could be like, well, Alex Jones sucks. So that makes it OK. Anybody like Alex Jones, which has always been Alex Jones's role within the movement is to make us look stupid and and to decredit, you know, real legitimate activists. Um, the fact that we were the first ones targeted tells you all you need to know, man. Like, who were they really most scared of? Us. Like, and one year later, the Rona psyop begins. I'm supposed to, I remember talking on the phone with you about this, either five years ago today or five years ago yesterday and saying, they're going to do something, dude. Like, there's a reason they took all of us out. And all of a sudden, a year later, they're carrying out the biggest psychological operation of our lifetime. Like, I don't think that's a coincidence, man. Like, they knew we were the enemy. And I mean, it's, it's a badge of honor. Like, it's, you know, I we did something like we were a true threat and they people let look oh your stupid facebook page man my first facebook page when they took it down was done by bp when i was about to speak at the capitol back in like 2010 like and they took my page out that morning so that i couldn't live stream the event that we were having there like that's that facebook didn't just accidentally figure it out that morning bp got them to shut my page down so this multi-trillion dollar oil company was scared of my stupid Facebook page. Like that's a win in my book, man. Like I took a free meme app and scared multi-trillion dollar organizations. Like kiss my ass. Right. 
Yeah, well, you know, just like how Twitter and Facebook took us down within hours of each other on the same day. And then, you know, five minutes after we're taken down, we start looking at the news and there's already reports on CBS and all these different mainstream companies and and, and legacy media outlets, you know, that they already knew. They already knew that this was going to happen. It wasn't like they just happened to see, you know, 800 different pages and accounts were taken down. Uh, no, they, they had the heads well, up. And- well, but we were... We were warned, remember? Like, I remember getting the thing and they sent some things saying that because you have a, quote, high potential reach, that I'm supposed to send them a copy of my driver's license and sign some agreement with them. And I was like, there is no way in hell I'm sending Facebook a copy of my driver's license. And I'm convinced (laughs) that because I didn't do any of that, that's why they only locked me out of my page and didn't delete it. Because I I didn't enter into a new agreement with them. And coincidentally, too, and I've this has always been suspicious to me. Like, I know regular people don't know who I am. But they know who I am. They know what my work has done. And for some reason, right when they kick off the 15 days to flatten the curve, they gave me access to my page again. And it's and there's this conspiracy part of me, I know, and it's crazy. But if they know that I'm one of the most powerful meme lords out there and they want to track the resistance, what better way than to give me access back to my page and let me do what I do and see who shares it. And see, And that wasn't going to stop me from fighting because I was going to fight. But... There's just this part of me like, why would you give me my page back right when you start this? Like, it's just never made sense to me. It's And they block. And of course, I lost it again like a year or so later. But for a year, I was able to make my memes and they were able to travel the world. And so I don't know, bro. That's wild, man. I didn't know that happened yeah. <laughs> where they gave you it back. <clears throat> that certainly didn't happen to us. <laughs> well, they deleted your page. Even- they never deleted mine. They did the same thing to my boycott BP page. They just locked me out of it. They didn't actually delete it. They just wouldn't let me post. Yeah, right. That's what had happened to ours. We could still see them. I don't think we still can, but uh, maybe we can. But I think they're we, gone. Ours were unable to do anything from them. We're still waiting for Elon to restore our uh, Twitter accounts, all three of our Twitter accounts, which he said he was going to do after he bought Twitter. Yet uh, somehow we are exempt from that. Lucky us. But you brought up uh, <laughs> you brought up a important point here, which I don't think many people have connected the dots with, which is, yeah, right after the 2018 purge, which is in October, uh, and what, January 2020, which is, yeah, a little over a year, not much. Uh, that's when the Corona, you know, virus PSYOP began, became, uh, it, it was rolled out, right? Um, something we haven't really mentioned before on this podcast was, and I know Matt remembers this. Remember how hard they were pushing the measles and anti-vaxxers for, oh, for yeah. measles right before the the coronavirus oh, yeah. psyop? And I feel like that nobody really talks about this, but I feel like that was kind of a test, like a little prep run for them because they went hard. They went really hard. They were arresting uh, people in New York for being unvaccinated against measles. Do you remember that? Yes. It was it was crazy. And then yeah, the next year, boom. Yeah. There was this whole you thing about it. it being in Disney World and, oh, my God, everybody's getting the measles. And, of course, not a single person in America died from the measles. But, they don't, you know, you don't know that. You're just told like, <laughs> well, oh we God. did a story. There was a Navy vessel with 300 people, 100 percent of whom had all been vaccinated against the measles. And they had to stay offshore because yeah. they had a measles yeah. outbreak mm-hmm. on it. Right. Exactly. 100 percent of the people were like, oh, OK, this is effective right. and safe. Right. <laughs> well, that, since you mentioned that, there was one particular meme I did want to bring up, and I'm sure you know about it. And it's the meme that I made and I, I put out on April 5th, 2020, where I said either the coronavirus stats are fake or it just cured pneumonia. 
And wow. everyone said I was wrong. Everyone said my graphs were wrong and my stats were wrong. And this is during two weeks to flatten the curve. And I had already figured out that the PCR tests were garbage. And, you know, because I did this crazy thing, I actually Googled the guy who created it, who won the Nobel Prize named Kerry Mullis, who just happened to be one of the last pneumonia victims before it vanished off the face of the earth. Um, and he said, oh, it's not a diagnostic tool. It'll make you believe in Buddhist philosophies because everyone has everything. So I already knew the testing was crap. But then on March 24th, 2020, was when they put out the directive saying that you could um, classify someone's death as the coronavirus without any proof and just assume it. And that's when the, the flu and pneumonia numbers dropped. Yeah. And so when I first put that out, nobody believed me. Everybody said I was wrong. There's no way the flu and pneumonia vanished. And then a year later, um, all of a sudden, it's because we were wearing masks and social distancing. Right. Well, if that was true, then... Why would the only virus that can that can withstand a mask is the Corona SARS-CoV-2? You know what I mean? So I, I just wanted because the moment that you acknowledge that there's no way some dumbass meme lord figured out during a pandemic when the entire world is focused on respiratory illnesses, I somehow figured out that the common cold vanished, but none of them did. And they didn't figure it out for months and months and months. But it's because. I just got lucky and masks are the reason like it makes no sense whatsoever in the moment that you acknowledge that I was right because they're lying then you have to admit there's this propaganda that extends beyond borders. And if they have this kind of control where they can tell you something that stupid, then it must have been used for a long time. And there must be some group of people controlling that mechanism of propaganda. Right. And whether you like it or not, that's the deep state, whatever name you want to call sure. it, Illuminati, shadow government, new world. I don't care what you call it. There's some group of people lying to us through their teeth. Yeah. And I feel like they still really haven't gave us a, you know, quote, scientific explanation about that as well. You know, I mean, of course, yeah, that's their explanation. That's the, their explanation is because we were washing right. our hands and wearing. Right. Masks. Right. But that's what they, they kind of told us off the cuff. But like <laughs> usually, you know, with some of these things, like they're still, you know, t testing like the effects of the vaccine on breast milk or breastfeeding mothers and stuff like that. So it just it's a, it's a bit of a red flag that they haven't actually put forth some type of scientific evaluation as to you know, exactly why that happened. And the, the, the stats were pretty significant too. It's basically like the cold just disappeared for a couple of years, you know, the, the common cold. Yes, exactly. Right after they just changed the way that they record cause of right. death. So, I mean, there's, there's no scientific thing that they can come up with that a bandana is going to stop every other fluid virus <laughs> particle, except for SARS-CoV-2. Sure. Like there's no, there's nothing they can come up with. That doesn't make any sense. Like it doesn't work. And, you know, Bacteria, you know, wipe on your hands doesn't wipe out every other one but SARS-CoV-2. SARS-CoV-2 doesn't jump six feet two inches. Like it's just not it doesn't make any sense. Like it's just not it's not scientific. That's why we were talking earlier about it. How you can tell the truth is real easy. Which side is willing to debate? Yeah. If you have one side that's completely unwilling to debate, they're wrong. Yes. It's just that simple. Like we, I'll stay. I'll take on anybody, anywhere, anytime about what happened on 9/11. I'll take on anybody, anywhere, anytime about what happened during COVID. It publicly, I don't care how we do it. You're not going to win against me because you're not on the right side of truth. You don't have any facts to support you. That's why Peter Hotez ducks Robert Kennedy Jr. That's why Trump doesn't want to debate. That's why Biden. Well, Biden can barely tie his shoes, <laughs> but. You know, I mean, that's why, because and I've taught my daughter that I tried to like if you ever see two sides and one side is completely unwilling to debate, that side is almost certainly wrong. Yes. Yeah. Great point, my friend.
Well, no, they don't want to debate because they don't want to give justification or any kind of credence to those bad ideas that are just clearly misinformation. But debating them would would give you credit and then it can't give you credit because then people would start believing that. And then everybody would be thinking, you know, they wouldn't they would they'd they'd start to challenge the status quo and they can't have people challenge the status quo because that's dangerous. And, you know, that's how that's how pandemic spread. I mean, it sounds like you're (laughs) it sounds like you're being hyperbolic, Matt, but that literally happened. I mean, remember when they wouldn't actually release a report? because they felt like it would be misconstrued by conspiracy theorists? Oh, no, I was, like, paraphrasing right. their, their right, exact right. words. I mean, I, I was just saying it with a stupid tone, but, yeah, that's exactly what happens, man. That's exactly what they say. And, yeah, we can't release our CDC numbers because people Misinterpret would, them. would uh, look at the real data and then draw their conclusion based on the well, real data, which they should use. As their that's, what, that's what blew my mind, man. I had to tell I'm telling you, for a couple months, man, I was just in shock because – when, when they released all the CDC data, like every bit of data was showing that the, the survival rate was like 99.74, like it, and kids was like 99.997. And it's been that way the whole time. But the public was acting like Alex Jones was saying it was 99.74. And the CDC was like, no, it's like 75%. But it was the CDC numbers. And then you get blocked for posting CDC numbers. And there was a moment there, like for a while where I'm like, I, I knew with Bill Gates pushed Common Core and I knew they were pushing two plus two equals five and stuff like that. And I was like, you know, our kids are going to be so dumb. But I didn't realize that I was surrounded by people who didn't understand what 99% means. But if you think deeper about it, like they do. If you told them you got a 99.74% chance of winning the lottery, they're going to go right out and do it. But you tell them you got a 99.74% chance of surviving this. I better lock myself in my house and give up all my freedoms and lose my job. Like it doesn't even make sense. So it just shows you that it's this this fear based mind control can override rational thought. And I just I, and I remember I made that meme like I can't believe I spent years trying to explain nine eleven physics to people who don't understand what ninety nine percent means. <laughs> right. We we just witnessed that happen in real time with the Israel and Palestine, um, you know, uh, conflict that's going on right now. We watched. Uh, the the ostensible anti-war right all jump ship and just go into like Israel Israel bomb Iran bomb mm-hmm. Iran right and Jason made a, a pretty brilliant meme about that too and it was, it was just a simple one but it's the Drake meme you know and it's uh it it's just shows the control the psychological control that they have of uh, that this this whatever you want to call it, deep state like you just said has over the minds of people and they could like flip it on and off like a switch and they're like man let's anti-war right is getting pretty large we should probably turn them pro-war again bam <laughs> literally overnight yeah. the right is now pro-war pro-bomb iran and i mean i'm i'm, I'm not saying 100 percent of them are you know there's going to be a lot of people probably listening to this podcast that it's, it's are, been this are, way forever bro it's been this way forever oh, like totally, bush, totally yeah when bush was in office like i had all these democrats on my side as soon as obama got in he's bombing seven countries in eight years they all vanished like they weren't even around as soon as yep. trump came back oh we're back like oh really where'd you where were you guys for eight years like, i've been standing right here the whole time. clown world yeah it's every every time somebody gets elected i'm either a Snowflake liberal or I'm a racist redneck. Just depends on which guy's in office. <laughs> it's clown world on steroids, man. And unfortunately, I think it's only going to continue to get more yoked and uh, bigger and bigger as far as, um, you know, the the psyops and the propaganda and the emotional manipulation and all of it, you know. All right, free thinkers, this episode is nearing the end. 
We wanted to take this time to remind you, if you found value in this conversation, please consider hitting that like button and subscribing to the Free Thought Project podcast on your preferred platform of choice. It's an easy, no-cost way to support us and ensure you never miss an episode. Also, the Free Thought Project operates primarily on the generosity of our listeners. If you believe in our mission and support our cause, please consider donating or subscribing by going to the membership tab at the top of our website. Your contributions ensure we are able to continue our important work having these important conversations, and your donations help us do just that. Lastly, if you're part of an organization or own a business that aligns with our mission and values, we are currently inviting sponsorships for our podcast. This is a fantastic opportunity to promote your product or make your brand visible to our engaged audience while supporting meaningful discourse. Thank you for your support, Freethinkers, and as always, thank you for listening. We are getting close to the wrap point here. I do have a couple more questions. Um, I, I, this is kind of usually where we, we try to turn the corner in the podcast. You know, obviously, we our work focuses on a lot of challenging topics, sometimes a little bit more on the dark side, and it's easy to get blackpilled. So we try to always end each podcast with some positivity, maybe some um, information that could empower people. Um, maybe just some ideas as, as far as, you know, how we could uh, change the world. But first I wanted to ask you, Rick, seeing that you have so much experience in the world of making memes, what would be a couple tips for new content creators who are just getting into this world? Sure. Sure. Um, well, there's, you know, any number of meme apps that you can download for free and they're really easy to use and a monkey can make them, you know, um, it's, it's really just the, you know, try to be clever about what you're saying. Try to make it concise. People don't like, like if people don't want to read an article, they don't want to read a paragraph either. Like every once in a while you can get a real good meme in there. But for the most part, you know, try to make it quick, try to make it clever, try to make it as concise as possible. And, you know, as, as far as like with, with, you know, there's different watermark memes, there's different memes that you can use to make uh, or different apps. I'm sorry, that you can use to make templates and things like that. But, um, you know, as far as the broader question, you know, everyone has things that they can do. Like everyone has skills. Like, you know, you talked about like the artist, you know, the artistry and being an artist. Like, dude, there was a moment where I was like, I'm a professional artist because I am the last dude you would think would be a professional artist. Like I'm a guy's guy, I like did construction and play sports and stuff. And like, there, there was a real moment where I was like, huh. And I remember <laughs> going like, and there was, you know, and I thought like everybody could make memes like like I didn't realize I was doing anything different until like I would do like meme battles where somebody would have a template and they would like you do your best and I'll do my best and we'll put it on the page and whoever gets the most likes wins and I and they'd be like oh here's my meme and I'd be like well here's the eight I made and like you made eight like well yeah I couldn't make up my mind you know like I didn't realize there was anything different but then when I started making them and and I realized like I was an artist it made me kind of look at the world differently and I started listening to these celebrities who were you know, in social media and, and realizing like, cause when you're reaching millions of people, like there was a point where I was reaching a hundred million people a week. And that's like the numbers that I could count. It doesn't even include your page or all these other pages. That's just the numbers that I could count. Like, that's crazy. And, and I'd listen to these artists and they were like, this song wrote itself. Or this book wrote itself. Like it just came from somewhere. And that's how the memes are for me. Like I don't really get writer's block. I just open my mind and they write themselves. And I'm convinced it's because we're all connected and, and, you don't know what your talent is until you try to do something and you'd you never underestimate that power of planting that seed. And just that one person, if that one person you wake up as a soldier and they start fighting, you've woke up everyone that they wake up. 
Like it's, a, it's this amazing thing. Everyone has these talents within them that they can use to fight back. And sometimes, you know, you don't have to convince everybody and you'll kill yourself trying to please everybody. But if you, if you just try to do this the right way with a good heart and you're trying your best to just simply wake people up because you care about them and you don't want bad things to happen to them. Like I call it whatever you want. I believe in God and I think God will open doors for you. Cause that's, that's the only way that I can explain what happened to me. Cause there's no rational way that I can explain that people translated my words into other languages. And I can't even comprehend how many people have seen my work. Like it's just, I didn't do all that, man. Like we did that. We, you guys wrote those memes too. That's why it resonates because we're all connected. Right on, man. I, I like that uh, philosophy. Yeah, absolutely, brother. That was a, a great way to end that portion of the podcast. And uh, I, I feel completely aligned with you on that, man. And um, I, I feel like we've been connected throughout the years. And I know we've had a few spats here and there, and we've had uh, our ups and downs. And I, I think that's maybe just part of being so passionate about what we do. But uh, we have become almost a team in a sense, you know, and it, it's funny how that works. And what I was saying earlier, too, about uh, some of the despondent people who feel alienated and, and maybe the black sheep of their family and friends, you know, like we've all kind of come together to coalesce and in, in fighting this information war. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell people where they could find you? Um, I, I know you mentioned prophetic memetics uh, earlier in the podcast, but go ahead and feel free to do any plugs or uh, shout outs to anybody you'd like. Well, you're right. We are a team, but you're also like family to me, bro, because you know, as well as I do, like, unless you walk this walk every day, you don't really understand what it's like. Sure. And you're one of those people who inspired me. Like when I was not posted, you'd be like, we need you back in the movement, man. And yeah, we butt heads. I'm, I'm a hard headed son of a bitch. And I say shit I shouldn't say sometimes, but <laughs> my heart is in the right place. I am trying to do the right thing. And absolutely. And you've inspired me. Like you're so much better at handling trolls than I am. Like I'll, I'll blast them with facts, but I'll also like, I'm better at cussing them and all that stuff too. Cause I've been doing this for a long time, <laughs> but you're so much better at doing that. You do it so much better way in it than I do. And, um, but I did, yeah, I wanted to give, just, uh, take the time to give a shout out to, um, Sal the Agorist on Twitter and Lauren Therese on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Um, my buddy Justin, we are changed uh, in Orlando. Those people have, you know, when I wasn't reaching anybody, they would share my memes and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Two of those are previous past guests. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, and I also um just wanted to give a shout out to Justin, Tiffany, and Micah and Larry because they've always been they're real life people that have helped me out. But um, and just prayers for my buddy Robert Jones. He's got a spinal surgery that's coming up and. For those of you that do those that kind of thing, he could use some some love and help, and and just thank you again for letting me be part of this and put something on record for my kids to listen to one day. And I really appreciate it, guys. It's an honor. Absolutely, brother. Hell yeah. Man. Well, dude, you're a longtime meme veteran. Uh, you're a hidden hero in, in my opinion. You know, too many people in our our movement do this for the wrong reasons, as we were talking about. You know, whether it be ego, attention, validation. Or they just want to be some micro niche internet celebrity. But you aren't concerned about any of those things, man. And uh, you've always just been interested in waking people up, telling them the uncomfortable truths, and trying to contribute to make this world a more honest and peaceful place. So I appreciate that, brother. It's been an honor fighting with you on the front lines of these Infowars all these years. And thank you for your commitment to truth, liberty, peace. And thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Jason. Much love, my brother. Thank you too, Matt.